Welcome to the Peace Talks Live podcast. My name is Andre, and I am here with... Will. Caitlin. Anthony. Alex. And Bergen. And the first question we'd like to start with today is, what inspires each of us to do what we do? Anybody want to start first? That's an excellent question. Um, I know for me, uh, what inspires me um, is just just a little personal motivation. Uh, would probably be you know my family. Uh, they they inspire me a lot. You know, being being a senior, about to graduate, and really go out into the real world. Um, that's just kind of my motivation to be successful. Um, also, another motivation. We all have different you know lanes of life that we're going in. I'll be going into the field of law. And so in that field, um, I'll be working with, I'll be working for, on behalf of, of my people, primarily, um, you know, African Americans, whether it be within the criminal justice system or any other field, whether it be in sports law, anything like that. And what motivates me is to do right uh, by those uh, different groups of marginalized individuals. I guess I'll go next. But what inspires me is what I'm saying can actually reach somebody one day, whether big, small, indifferent, and something that I'm doing can help my family and myself and the people that's coming up with me to get out of the current situation that we're in. Cause we all, well maybe most of us probably, maybe not all the way satisfied with where we are at this current state and moment. So we're always trying to, at least in my head, work better to get towards something in the future that's greater for us and everybody around us. That's what inspires me. I would say what inspires me, like, I'm going to be going into sports broadcasting and, you know, like, sports radio and things like that, and, you know, that's just always been, like, a passion of mine that's, I mean, at this point, it's just, like, hardwired into me, and so uh, just going from each stage of that is very inspiring, and also, I like to try and bring, like, just as much value as I can to what I'm doing um, and try to maybe, if I could just, like, help one person uh, with something they're going through based on stuff I've gone through like that's very inspiring to me I agree I think I kind of motivate myself in a way like I kind of I don't know I've wanted to do broadcast journalism since I was really young so it's something that I've always been passionate about and I always like push myself for so I'd say like me personally it's just kind of like myself like really wanting to get it done and nothing hold me back I think something that inspires me a lot is my family and um, not really proving to them that I can do it, but making them proud that I can reach my goal and that I worked hard all the time and all the money they're paying for me to go through schooling um, got me to a good place um, and to what I want to do. So I think like that support from my family is something that really inspires me to keep going and to do what I love. Yeah, and I feel like I'm more of a goal-oriented person because if I don't have something that I'm working towards with a purpose, whether it's like going into a practice, because I'm a student athlete, whether it's going into a practice with like a small goal for that practice or going into a class like, oh, I want to take really good notes today. Like I always have something that I'm working towards because if I don't, I feel pretty like purposeless and unmotivated. And I learned that definitely from the like powerful women in my life, being my mom and my grandmother, so. Yeah. Now, what are some of the ways that y'all take inspiration from other people? Uh, I would say um, how people carry themselves. So 
Um, I always say that I want to be my mom when I grow up because she's just like an amazing woman and she like carries herself with like this like utmost of confidence that like nothing really shakes her. So I take that from her in carrying myself in a way where like when I walk into a room that I'm like I want to be confident like I'm gonna like make my impact on whatever I'm doing. So I would say like taking inspiration from how like people carry themselves and like I don't want to do anything that my mom does in her career wise but the way that she carries herself it's definitely something that I take inspiration from something that like I that really inspires me when I see it in other people is just like when they've literally just come from nothing and come from the dirt because to me that just eliminates excuses um, you know somebody who you know was maybe born in a different country where they had very little or born in this country in an area where they had very little and they you know made it to the top of their craft like to me that just eliminates excuses and it shows you really can't do anything you put your mind to and something that I've always liked a phrase that I heard resources are never the problem it's lack of resourcefulness that's the real problem so <clears throat> well I think one thing that I get inspired by I like when older people give me game so I like when <laughs> I like when older, when older people tell me how they became successful. I like for them to tell me, hey, you know, this is how I did things. You know, for people who, who came from where I came from, people who grew up the similar ways that I grew up, you know, that turned out to be very successful people, I like for them to tell me, hey, you know, when I was your age, you know, this is what I did. These are the mistakes I made. However, you know what I'm saying, you have that ability not to make those mistakes. So they just was kind of giving me game and just kind of telling me, hey, like, if you do it like this, you know, things will work out for you. You can eliminate some mistakes. You can skip over some steps. You know what I'm saying? If you just listen, um, if you just listen. So I like for people to really just put me on or what made them successful. I think within different life stages, too, that also can make you successful. Because I think with every life stage, there's always lessons to learn. And so that also like drives me to want to be more passionate about what I'm doing. Just the different lessons life throws at you. Yeah. One thing that inspires me from other people is the different ways each person can come become successful. You got one person that may have somebody giving it to them, but another person can come literally from nothing and be successful. Or it's one person that can come from the middle, or one that can just come from somewhere that you may never even heard of. It's a lot of different ways you can become great, and that's what really inspires me. There's no specific outline or one-way street to become successful. And success has a different definition for every person in here. No one person says everybody doesn't have a concluded so definition of success. Everybody's different. That's what, what inspires me from others. What is your definition of success? My definition of success is that I can look around me and say everybody has it. Meaning, I got money and my people have money. Or not even just money. The people around me have what they didn't have and now they feel in a comfortable space. I feel like for me, uh, success means, you know, doing something that you love, 
um, and something that you're generally happy in doing. Um, I do feel like there's a there's a monetary, uh, there's not no magic number that, that speaks on success, but I feel like if you're comfortable, um, if you're satisfied, if your family is taken care of, I also think success doesn't actually, doesn't necessarily deal with strictly me, but those around me, as Dre was alluding to, you know, not just me being successful, but my whole entire circle being successful. Um, that's very important because if I'm just if I'm just the only person that really made it, and they and, they, and other people around me did it then I would feel I might not have been as happy because now I have to be the one to kind of spread the love. So if we all at the table, we all eating, you know, that's a success thing. It's just not an individual thing. It's, it's a byproduct of the entire group. Should I introduce myself? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Andrew Vernon. I'm a uh, senior doing pre-law. And uh, I think it, it bears saying that maybe we're thinking about success in maybe too, like, too black and white. Because we've all mentioned like money and you know being able to eat at the end of the day, and those things are definitely important, especially you know being able to eat. But it begs the question of: Is that really surviving? Is that success if you just get to eat, and also if you just have the material understanding? Because my understanding of success is my sister, my mother, and my father—they're happy, and they're happy with what they do. And like you said, you, you said it very beautifully. It doesn't—it's um, not about just you. It's about the people around you and what they want. Just a thought. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that too. I feel like success is obviously different to each person, but to me it's being happy in the position that you're at, whether it's with your job, with your family, with your friends. I think as long as you're happy that in some way you're successful is how I see it. Well, that brings another question. What's the definition of happiness? Talk to you. <laughs> Everybody has a different definition of. So, go ahead. For me, you know, happiness involves there not being an immediate struggle to survive. So, and, and with that, you know, money kind of comes into play. Um, and I'll give you an example. There are a lot of teachers that love to teach, but as we know in North Carolina, teachers don't make a whole lot of money. So I'm not saying that they're not successful, but for me, you know, being happy is definitely, you know what I'm saying, doing something that I love to do. There's a passion behind what I'm doing, and there's a purpose behind what I'm doing as well. However, the whole struggling, if I'm happy, I'm not struggling in a sense to, to survive. I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, I'm not... I'm not in a position where I can't do things financially. There's definitely some form of a financial component. It's not everything, but it is a part. It is a part of it. So do you think somebody broke can be happy? Uh, not me. <laughs> yeah. Not me. I think, I it, depends. I think yes. it depends not on the me. person. Mm -hmm. I think yes. happiness depend, is an individual thing. Like Different people are happy by different things, and I think that that is a lot of... If you're happy in something different than someone else's, that that could be how you feel successful at the same time. Yeah, I think it depends on like the person's attitude and who they surround themselves with. So like, I could be broke, but the people that I'm around would make me happy. So I would consider myself happy. Being yeah, broke. If I if I, if I uh, don't have shelter um, and I don't have a place to, and I don't I don't have things to eat, I can't support my family. That is no form of happiness for me. Um, I understand the, the mindset about it. You know that's you know that's key. That's very very key. But um, but I got to be able to live and eat and survive. If you can't survive out here, 
you know, that's it's really hard. I'm not saying you can't be happy, but I just for me personally, I, I know it's gonna be hurt for it's gonna be kind of hard for me to be happy and be broke. I'm about to be broke after I pay these taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so I better be happy. <laughs> At the end of the day, happiness is an internal game. And a lot of times people attach their happiness to something external. They think that's what really makes them happy. But, I mean, the happiness comes from the internal emotions you get. And so, you know, I... There's people out there who have millions and millions of dollars and they're miserable. And then there's people that have little to nothing and they're like as happy as can be, don't really need anything. So it's, I just think it's an internal game. I've heard that happiness is a state of mind. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Ironically, though, Anthony, I'm basically just talking to you today. <laughs> um, originally, I wanted to be a teacher. But because I had some unexpected financial burdens, I switched over to what I'm going to do now. So in a way, I'm sort of a hypocrite by downplaying the value of material stuff because that's sort of where I'm headed. I mean, we're all hypocritical in a way right. because one day we could say, oh, I'd rather be broke than being rich. But then you get hit with a school loan or a car payment you can't manage. <laughs> then you're going to switch that in a second. <laughs> Did you have a question? Actually, I just wanted to say something where we were talking about um, being happy and being broke, and I was like, now it, it begs to ask the question, what does broke mean? And what does broke mean for everyone? A thousand dollars in savings is could be broke to some people, and some people are like, hey, I've got resources. I don't feel broke because I, everything that I have is taken care of. And so that's that's a question. It's, it's, and the beautiful thing about this is that when we talk about happiness and what defines happiness, is everyone gets to define that individually. There's no right or wrong answer or anything like that. I mean, one of the things that makes me happy is that in this life, if I follow purpose, the dollars they'll, they'll follow me. And and so if you tie yourself to something that you enjoy to do, the dollars will find you out one way or another. So that person that's a teacher, at some point, it may not even come through the teaching salary at a school. Someone may just sow or give to them, but the dollars will follow you when you, when you follow your passion. So for me, that defines happiness. I was just wondering if I could weigh in on the happiness question. Yeah, so. You can pull a bit here, man. <laughs> Yeah, the way I see happiness, half the time when I hear about happiness, it's usually when people say, oh, it's your purpose in life to be happy and to seek happiness, nothing else. And, you know, well, happiness is definitely a good thing. At the same time, I almost feel like sometimes we ourselves, as well as society, tends to focus way too much on seeking happiness as opposed to the greater good. Because when you really think about it, I mean, happiness is a very subjective thing that means different things to different people. I mean, someone's view of happiness could be exactly like ours, though, I mean, someone else's view of happiness might be killing a bunch of puppies or getting, or getting absolutely poisoned in an alleyway or doing nothing but drug or something that is either incredibly harmful to them or incredibly harmful to, to someone else, exactly. So the way I see it, happiness is not so much as a standalone thing that we can just achieve and grab and get and just have and just, you know, 
keep inside of ourselves, but rather it is something that is, it rather it is a mere symptom of doing what we were meant to do, doing what we're good at, and more importantly, contributing to the common good. Something else that I'll throw out there is if you're trying to like find happiness, I don't think you're ever going to find it because mm-hmm. like Amen. I mean, like I said before, it's an internal thing and yeah. you know, I have been in a place before where like you know, I was just trying to find happiness somewhere else other than right here where I'm at because you know, if you think something is going to make you happy, once you get to that place, you're going to be in the exact same state that you were before. And I think that's something very important to think about. Well, that goes with having to do the mental work that no matter what, I, what I'm doing or where I am, I will be eventually or happy with the place that I'm at because we have to go through stages in life to get to where we are. It's going to be the bottom, middle, top. Or some people may not even reach one of those stages because of certain unfortunate circumstances in life that just happened. We all just have to have the mental makeup of we can do it and we will do it, so we're gonna do it, which goes with planning and positive reinforcement. Because there's gonna be downfalls and pitfalls in life every day, every time, but if you could come back up from that, it's gonna make you a stronger person, which loops into another topic the impacts of social media on our generation. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of unfortunate, there's, a, there's good and bad in everything, right? Social media, internet, perfect example, which goes into the mental aspect. We all are faced with pictures or magical words, I like to call them sometimes, of what people are doing or what they like to put out what they're doing, trooping lies in everywhere. So what do y'all think of some of the impacts of social media on our generation? Well, it's created a whole new career field for people to enter into, and that's a career field that I want to enter into is social media. And I see a lot of positive, and obviously there's negative with like being compared to X, Y, and Z or whatever, but like it's a whole new career field where you can basically like brand yourself. And like I would love to go into like um, doing it for a company or like professional team or whatever where you basically get involved with your fan base so whether it's like an NFL team or an MLB team or your sports or whatever like you can have more interaction with your community or your fan base or whatever so that there's more of a two-way communication instead of in years past or like in generations past where ads have mostly been a one-way of communication where you're just plastering things where you can actually get feedback and like hear where oh like we would love to see more interaction with your community and like community service or we'd love to have more events where you help out like kids or whatever like there's more of a two-way communication instead of a one-way which I love to see because I think we lose a lot of conversation in society these days so it's just kind of opening a new way of conversation. I think social media has its pros and it has its cons as well. Um, and when I'm, well, I think what it does is I, I like it because it allows people to really put out a lot of their opinions on certain topics 
And so for me, what it has done for me, and especially Twitter, it has allowed me to really enhance my mind about different perspectives and different viewpoints. I, I do like that as well. Um, however, on the flip side of it, um, that kind of comes with a territory. Um, social media we have seen is now, it can negatively impact people's lives, um, you know, from, from the different movements that we have. So it has allowed people to hide behind a screen and kind of say some derogatory things we see all the time. And we've seen a lot of people's careers be affected by, by social media negatively. Um, and so, like I said, I, you know, it, it's good. It's kind of, that's not bad. It's just, that's the pros and cons. But it's generally, uh, all in all, it's a good thing. I agree with that. I think there's a lot of people that hide behind it and that um, use it as a way to have a fake, I don't know, identity kind of, but I also think it's a good thing. I feel like social media and the internet, it's a good way for, especially nowadays, for people to express themselves in ways that they wouldn't feel comfortable doing outside of their phone or outside of um, the screen, which in some cases isn't a good thing, but I feel like a lot of the times, um, like for example, podcasts, I mean, we're using the internet right now <laughs> to um, express how we feel about certain things, and I feel like um, it also does a lot of good um, and I think it's a lot of just how people use it, and it uh, going back to like it's a personal thing. I feel like how you use it individually has a lot to affect on how it impacts you. I think it's a great way to network too, especially like in our communication classes when we have to do assignments like who inspires you, what do they do, stuff like that. And a lot of the people that inspire me, like I follow on Instagram, mm -hmm. and they're not huge people, but they're people that are like really do inspire me. So it's easy to just like contact them and be like, where did you? Like, where did you start? Where did you go from here? So I think it's a great way to network and get to know other people. Yeah, I think it's also been very beneficial in my life because I've been able to become much more informed and I've been able to communicate a little more too. But at the same time, I think, you know, as a designer, since I'm Ethan McElvain, the designer for the Beast Times, which I forgot to mention earlier when I joined the podcast right here. but. Yeah, I think a main design issue with social media is that it is extremely addictive because there is no idea of done. Like, you can look in your email, for example, and you can check your emails and eventually be done checking them. In fact, you can even archive or them or throw them in the trash so you don't have to see them in your inbox. Whereas you don't really have that with social media. Like, I found myself sitting there for hours and hours just looking at articles about fields and fields I'm passionate about or different, you know, bands or anything else. And, and so I think if we added more of the concept of, you know, actually being done with something, i.e. you can swipe away a bunch of Instagram posts and then, you know, you don't have to, it's not a completely endless feed. I think that would be a lot more productive. Like a week ago, I gave up having my app, social media apps on my phone unless I was going to upload something to them or post and honestly I was kind of surprised on how much productivity that I was missing out on until now. You can mark this in, oh sorry, no, you're good. Uh, I was going to ask like at what age do you think is like 
appropriate mm -hmm. to like introduce social media to that's a very tricky question. Well, I've always said, because I've, I've done research projects in other comm classes, that when we were growing up, we had like internet literacy classes where you were like learning how to use computers and stuff. And now I feel like we need to have social media literacy classes added yes. into that because it is so prominent in our culture now and that everyone uses it, especially now like anyone from like 80 to like 15 is using it and even younger and I feel like we just need to be very careful with how we're presenting it to the younger generation because I didn't get a cell phone till I was in middle school but now there are like third graders with like iPhones and it's like whoa like that's crazy so like I feel like we need to add those social media literacy classes into school systems now because like I don't think we should just rely on parents because I don't think no offense, I love my mom and everything, but like I don't think parents are well equipped with the tools to teach their children about social media. Is anyone? I think we can. I think that's what we're the direction we need to go in is starting to do more research and starting to create these classes and starting to create this whole like field of like this is how we should do it, or like this is like more like parental locks on things and stuff like you have to put your ages in for like snapchat where you can't use snapchat under a certain age and stuff like that and having these policies and stuff because it's so unregulated and like i hate to put regulation on stuff that's about self-expression at the same time like i don't think a 10 year old should be posting things on social media about like complaining about like I don't even know what technical complaints about. I don't. But like, just all those sorts of things where we need to start regulating things and putting policies on things because it is so like haywire in a way. So, yeah. I think, I think to answer your question, I think some of it um, definitely depends on the maturity of the child. But nowadays, we have to be very, very careful because there's a lot of stuff out there on social media. And as a child, this stuff begins to really, really influence you. Right. As a child, you start to pick up and you start to try to figure out who you are as a person. And so when you get on social media, you see all different types of sorts of stuff. You know, I believe the, um, just to give an example, and but this example, I'm not saying it is right. I'm not saying that it is wrong. I'm just throwing it out there. So I saw on Twitter the other day, um, <laughs> Dwayne Wade's son was at a LGBTQ uh, rally. And he was wearing, he had some lipstick, some makeup. Um, he was, you know, on the runway, he was like a model or something like that. And, um, you know, there's all different types of debates on, on social media about that. Uh, now, mind you, he is 10 years old. And so my question to you, and I'm not blaming social media, and I'm not saying this right, and I'm not saying this wrong, but where do these kids, young kids, get this stuff from? And so what I'm saying is that social media has an influence on how our children carry themselves. Just to give my own personal viewpoint on what I saw, you know, I don't think we should be um, sexualizing children um, for any group of people. Uh, but, ne but nevertheless, I do feel as though social media can have that kind of impact 
on our society. And I feel like as parents, um, and through education, we need to be careful and make sure we have the literacy so they understand uh, what they're seeing. Last one, this is use at your own risk. Use at your own risk, your discretion. Good and bad is going to be everywhere. You can either brand yourself or look at pictures that are uncensored all day and videos, one of the two things. Those are, that's what's out there, and all the in-between, that's what's out there. Everything you can see, everything you want to know, is right on the phone. Just use at your own risk. But do you think a 10-year-old knows what that risk is? No. I put in, yeah, so I think the education part yeah. of them being educated, whether it's the parents getting educated and then them teaching the kids or whether it's the school teaching the kids how to use social media. Um, because if we're going to expose them to such things like social media where people can respond with hateful comments or comments and can post things that can be hurtful to people, do we really want children to be exposed to that without knowing how to react to it or how to deal with that, I feel like the education part is big, is yeah. mm -hmm. we definitely I feel like, need to teach them. I feel like that's like a baseline, because I remember like growing up when we had the internet literacy where they were talking about, and this is when like the first like talks of like cyberbullying were coming up, and they were like teaching you how to like avoid cyberbullying, like blocking kit, like someone that's bullying you online or not reading it or ignoring it and all those types of things where you have this baseline of information on how to deal with things. And I feel like we don't have that for all these different platforms of social media. Yes, we have it, like that was specifically for like chat rooms because that's what was like big when we were younger were these like IMing and chat rooms and stuff and like on like Club Penguin and like, <laughs> like, like all these just like all just like chat rooms but now we have these like platforms where we're posting pictures and videos. Well, it's so big, they're so much bigger now. Oh yeah, it's so, so much, much more, more widespread access, yeah. where I feel like we need more of a baseline on how to deal with the magnitude of all these other different platforms and I think that's where we need to start what, in like just creating that baseline of information and then like giving out the information to like parents and stuff where they can do with that information what they will and create their own guidelines for their children mm -hmm. because that's kind of how we dealt with the internet yeah. like when it first started coming up in the 2000s and now we're in the 2010s going on to the 2020s and we're like social media like how do we deal with, how do we deal with this? Do you think the stuff that you learned, like as a child, sorry, <laughs> um, was even really effective on teaching you, like the, the real literacy of it? Like, did that work? Because, in my opinion, opinion for myself, I feel like it didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I would definitely say that I can't. I come from a very like more of a closed off environment because I went to private school all my life, right. and continuing on now because I got peace. <laughs> um, so I was always in smaller <laughs> communities, but we always, I always had a broader. Uh, like outlook because I did play sports and I did hang out with kids from other schools and like neighborhood friends and stuff like that so and my brother actually went to public school and I went to private school but whatever um, <laughs> but I would say that it did help because I yeah because I mean in those like uh, computer literacy classes you also like learned how to type like does anyone remember like Mavis Beacon and stuff oh, yeah. like yeah. like you learn to type and stuff like there's also that and then they, there was a small <laughs> section on cyberbullying but I feel like we need to broaden that into something so much bigger than just like oh you may get cyberbullied now that 
like you're using the internet because now we have social media so it's like a totally different like monster but I don't remember having too many issues with cyberbullying growing up so yeah it worked <laughs> I, I think so too that a lot of people don't truly understand how truly broad and truly random the internet can be like for example at one of my previous positions which was an internship we were going to do a poll to help renot name the different stations in the dining in the William Peace University dining hall and they suggested that we ask the internet to come up with the names for us and then start the poll. See, he's already laughing because I think he knows. <laughs> what do you mean, ask the internet? Well, essentially, you generators. on social media. Are media, you talking about like a generator or did you go on social media and ask? Oh, oh yeah, like she was suggesting we go on social media mm -hmm. and ask what it's it should service. be named and then have people vote on those names. But the thing is, I know a similar story to this. It is this Mountain Dew contest mm -hmm. from, oh yeah, yeah, you yep. know, man. I know it, I know it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so he, so essentially what happened was Mountain Dew was trying to name this new green apple flavor of Mountain Dew. And so 4chan, which is this very dark place that no one should go to, in my opinion, where everyone can be anonymous and everyone can gather into a giant hive mind if they want to, they all trolled the con got together to troll the contest to where the winning flavor was Hitler did nothing wrong, with the second most popular flavor being Gushing Granny, and one of the other popular names being something else inappropriate. And so I told them that story, and then they automatically changed their mind, decided to do something else instead. So we need to teach people that stuff like that is very possible and can happen on the internet and that you should be prepared for it and try and avoid it. To go back to answering your question about age, I feel like we need to educate the parents and the kids, no matter the age, before we can decide what age is appropriate for kids to have social media. Because I think if the parents are educated on it, then and they enforce it, and then they, they can help to decide what age is appropriate for their kid if they educate their kid on it. You got one? But the thing is, is you don't know the exact age because every time like it takes a step forward, it gets younger and younger. Because like you said, we didn't get phones until eighth grade yeah. or whatever grade it was. And then at that time, it was probably just a slide filled with text. Do you remember the track phones? That's like, what I have. And other than that, now they're getting iPhones late. Like third grade, yeah. you said, so I mean, you don't know an exact yeah. age because you can't really control changing. it. This stuff, you can lie on your ages on social media platforms as well. Like, yeah. There's no actual verification for it. Yeah, right? yeah, like this stuff isn't going anywhere, it's only going to continue to grow. Um, you know, we went from email to things like that, and now it's just like everywhere. And I mean, AR and VR is well mm -hmm. on its way. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to have, like, a contact lens put in our eye at some point and just see this stuff right here. Like, we might be able to do this podcast right here and not even be in the same room. Like, it's just going to be holograms. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit further out there. That's a little bit further. But seriously, like, it's only... I'm down. Like, we need a hologram class. But, like, it's only going to grow. And as far as, like, age and kids, like, they need to be taught, but... They need to be able to be immersed in this stuff because, like, it's not going anywhere and it's the world we live in. And, you know, social media is just a fancier term for the current state of the Internet. So, you know, they – and it's created, you know, like you said to begin with, it's created incredible opportunity for building your brand. Um, and so it's just – it's the world we live in, so. Just to wrap up with a final question, 
What do y'all think the impact of each of y'all having either a voice or a platform does for you? Well, I'll, well, I'll start off with, um, I remember me when I start, first started coming onto the podcast and I had the idea of doing Peace Pop and I was talking with Caitlin and Alex about it. We started narrowing our focus and we narrowed it, well, like we kind of talked about it, narrowed it down where we just wanted like a place as like young women to talk because we have these conversations like in like girl talk all the time but like we wanted to like broaden our reach outside of our inner circle so we created peace pop and like yes we talk about anything from like bachelor recaps to like what's what's happening in pop culture but we also have talked about like some serious stuff on like our discussion topics where we talked about like our timelines like where we see ourselves in five ten years like how many kids we want and like when do we see ourselves like getting married and stuff like oh like real like in the future stuff that's like super scary but um but we also talk about like oh what did we do together on like Valentine's Day instead of Valentine's Day so we just were we wanted to create a space for ourselves to talk about whatever we wanted because sometimes like girl talk it's this like bad rep of being like, oh, you're just like trading, like what's the best lip gloss? I'm like, no, we're actually talking about like real some like real life stuff yeah. that we deal with on a day to day basis, whether it's like how we feel in a room full of men or how we feel about the stigma of like women watching sports and like stuff like that. We talk about this stuff all the time in closed doors, but we wanted to open it up where we could have, where we could talk about it and other women could listen to it and be like, oh yeah. I feel the same way or they can like interact with us on social media and do all that kind of stuff so I feel like having that space to that like safe space where we can talk about whatever we want and like sometimes we have the guys come on and talk about stuff with us too yeah Andre's there because he has to do the audio so sometimes he chimes in but um, I feel like we just have a good time just doing something yeah. that we like yeah, I agree with that. I think when we first started the podcast, when the idea was brought up at the media conference um, where we first learned about doing it, that I really liked the idea just because I felt like it was a good place for us to voice not only our opinions, but like our interests and for other people and, and in the community and for other people like our peers to hear our opinion and for just a place for us to express ourselves. And I like it impacts me a lot. I've I love doing it. It's, it's like my passion. I have a lot of fun. So I feel like how you were saying, like, I feel like it's just a great place for us to express how we're feeling. And I mean, sometimes we even talk about how our days are going. And yeah. I feel like a lot of times, like we, all of us need that. And I feel like it's a good place for that to just let loose and have fun and talk about things that we need to or that we want to. I agree with those things. And then I have a friend who is in high school and like I had no clue that she listened to Peace Talks because she's not even like around here or anything. But then like she messaged me about one of our topics before. And so we actually grabbed a coffee and we talked about it more. And so I think it's just stuff like that. Like that one person that listens to it and it like really stays with him. Like all about the connection. That's what really keeps me going. Oh yeah. And, like, my mom listens to, like, every one of yeah. our podcasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, and, like, sometimes she, like, calls me up. She was like, Bergen, you, you talked about a lot that day. Like, and she's, like, asking me about all this stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, I didn't talk to you about that before. Yeah. I talked about it on the podcast. My be. Yeah, we just use it as yeah. a session. I feel like a lot of times we need that. Yeah. Whether and like, it affects other people. Like, it, sometimes it impacts other people. Yeah. And other people agree with us, and sometimes they don't. And I just feel like we need that space yeah that. and I saw a lot of my family from Philadelphia 
this past February, and my mom was like going around being like, oh my god, Bergen does this podcast at, her, at college, da, 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 da. and now like my whole family listens. So I'm like, guess I'm just broadcasting to my whole family, life updates. I think with, um, with social media, with it giving me a platform and, and what it does for me, um, it allows me to really get my viewpoint out there, things that I really feel strongly opinion about. Uh, I can get it out there and then I can kind of see maybe the people I go to school with, maybe the people that's, that are back home, chiming in on some of this conversation. Now I kind of see where they stand. So it, it gives me a way to kind of vet people in a sense, you know, like maybe because when you when you go out in the world and you hang out with people, you know, I, I want to hang out with people whose thought process about certain things are maybe somewhat aligned with mine. And so that kind of helps me kind of vet for friends, best friends, relationships, a lot of that good stuff. So just having that platform just allows you to know who you should connect with, you might want to not connect with and stay away from. Um, so, so it helps a lot. And another reason what that platform does for me, it allows me to see other people who are you know, very successful. I can follow them and I, could, I kind of see you know, how their social media is laid out. I can sort of see, yeah, I can make that connection. And so I think that it helps, you know, especially when we're moving forward, getting older. It definitely helps, um, helps us a lot. I'm going to speak my piece and then go so I'm hogging the mic. <laughs> um, this is the one time I'll ever defend social media. It helps me keep up with my friends who live very far away from where I am now. Hi, guys, if you're listening, hi. Um, it also lets me share my art, and I'm an amateur artist. It's not very good, but I'm very proud of it, and I want people to see it. So that's basically the only way I can keep it out of its notebook. So, thank you for having me, by the way. You know, I, I can relate to him, too, on a very spiritual level with that, because I do that, too, on social media with my graphic design work and illustration to where stuff that people otherwise wouldn't see outside of school suddenly has a bunch of people from around the world and in countries like this one or even the most random countries where I wouldn't expect it to gain traction. And then all of a sudden, I have a lot of support port for my work and then I can also see other people's work very quickly as well so I can get that little bit of inspiration in mass that drives me forward and gives me new ideas. Everybody has a unique perspective um, and I feel like everybody in their own way has kind of talked about how it gives you a voice to talk about whatever you want to talk about but I think it gives you the option of communicating with the world how you want to communicate whether that's through the written word, blogging, you know, video, audio, like a podcast. It, you know, however you communicate, you have that option. You're not down to one thing. Um, and I think that's a unique thing about how social media is today. Cool thing with me is I used to be the kid that either sat in the front or the back but didn't set nothing in class. Kind of still am today. But. I was about to say, it's like, I'm going to change. <laughs> But still, it's, it's weird that I do podcasts now. It's very weird, but I like that I can express myself anywhere I want to, how I want to, and control my own narrative. And I could be reaching somebody across the world that I will never see, but I could get that one message or that one little note, say, hey, I love your podcast. I listen to it every week or every time it comes out. And that's, that's really, really cool because you never know who you're reaching and who you're talking to. 
that's why you have to keep in mind that your voice does have power. Whether you accept it or don't accept it, what you say has weight and has worth, negatively and positively. If you badmouth somebody, it's going to come back to you. If you put out good in the world, it's going to come back to you in a great way. So always keep in mind that what you say matters and words always matter. I think I think Dre had a good point. Uh, social media allows us to control our narratives. Um, LeBron teaches us that um, <laughs> through his different um, media outlets, uh, with the different um, shows that he has. Uh, one being the shop that they've used on HBO. What's the episode coming soon? Hey, he, he, hey, he, did, he didn't pay for that promotion. <laughs> 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 Um, but controlling your own narrative is very, very important. That's what social media allows us to do. And I think as people, um, whether you are the, you know, part of the majority or, or you're a minority, um, that's a lot of news outlets out here that like to control the narrative for you. But social media allows us to do it ourselves, and I think that's why it's important. Well, all right. This is our live podcast for today. Thank you for everyone who um, asked questions and who joined in our, our discussion. Anytime. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you for letting me do this. Absolutely. <laughs> well, do you want to do your outro? Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, peace out.